0: Welcome to Combos from the Couch by Lifestance Health, where leading mental health professionals help guide you on your journey to a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our third episode of our series, The Couch and the Screen, where we explore mental health topics in TV, movies, books, and popular culture. I'm Nicolette Lianza, and I'm joined by my Lifestance colleagues, Laura McClure and Micah McGee. And on today's episode, we'll be covering the 2022 horror film, Smile. Hi, Laura. Hi, Micah. Hello. Hello. Good to have you Hi. both on. <laughs> Let me start by giving a brief synopsis of the movie, Smile Follows, wrote Dr. Rose Cotter, a psychologist played by Sosie Bacon, who witnesses a traumatic event involving one of her patients and goes down a rabbit hole of increasingly disturbing experiences as she tries to determine an explanation for what happened with her patient as well as behind the deaths of several others. The movie was directed by Parker Finn and is currently streaming on Amazon Prime and Paramount+. Plus. Want to throw out some trigger warnings here. We're going to be talking a lot about suicide and trauma throughout the episode.
1: Yeah, and so if you or anyone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide or a mental health crisis, you can text or call 988 to speak to a licensed clinician who can help process those thoughts and develop a safety plan with you. And then if you have had a loved one or a friend or a family member pass away by suicide, you can Google survivors of suicide meetings to find your
0: local meetings. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate you adding that for sure. So as we jump in, Micah, let's have you tell us a little bit about yourself. And you have a great YouTube channel. And also, what got you interested in the horror genre? Okay.
2: Yeah. So I'm a therapist in Lexington, Kentucky, and I specialize in trauma and ADHD. And I'm a mom. I have a 13-year-old daughter. So I guess that's some stuff about me. I am doing the YouTube channel. Um, It's kind of in progress because I've actually split the channel into two different ones. Now I have one that's more of the horror focus, and then I've split into a second channel that's all about mental health alone without the horror because it was getting muddy. So I I separated those. And so I started the idea of horror hysteria because I was watching a, I think I was playing a video game, actually. It was several years ago. And I saw all these mental health themes and all these things. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Some of that's right. Some of that's very stigmatizing. And I was like, I'm wondering what I could do with this. And I just started brainstorming and thinking it would be neat to look at things from the perspective of a clinician and then also look at it from the perspective of a horror fan. So that's how that started. And with horror, as far as like how I got into it, I think that I've always been interested in like spooky things, like as a little child, but I was a very anxious and sensitive child, which seems like contradictory to what someone would be into with horror. But I've learned a lot along the way with my channel and any of the information that I've been digging up about horror and psychology and mental health. And I've learned that a lot of horror fans actually do fit that profile of being a little more anxious, being a little more sensitive, especially when they're younger, and that horror can serve as a safe exploration of really scary things, like all the horrors of the world, essentially, Yeah, and and also provide some desensitization. I also think that the stimulation from it is an aspect that really appeals to me because I also have ADHD. So it's one of those things that, that really just, you know, it catches my attention. And... That sensation
0: seeking, that yeah. might be part of ADHD. Right, exactly. Right. Got you. No, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. So as we jump into discussing kind of the portrayal of this movie, what did we all think about the movie to start off with? So, Laura, what did you think about the movie overall? Yeah,
1: I think overall, I was not a fan. And I think for a lot of different reasons, I think one, just kind of watching it in purpose of this podcast and kind of looking at the mental health issues. It was very triggered and bothered by the very graphic depiction of suicide. I was a little bothered by the demonic portion of it because there are some circles where mental health is talked more about like demons and alcoholism I have demons inside of me and so I think that kind of just trends with some outdated antiquated views of mental health but also as a horror film fan I didn't find it scary at all I thought it was more like a psychological thriller
0: okay so you are a horror film fan
1: yes Oh, okay.
0: So I and grew you grew did... up
1: watching like my, all of the movies I watched as a little kid were horror movies. I'm a little bit with Mika in that my ADHD, I can't watch movies. I'm not a good, it can sometimes take me about a week to watch a full movie. Okay. But horror movies, I can sit there and watch it because it's like pins and needles and you're yeah. waiting for the anticipation. But gotcha. yeah, I just, I did
2: find it very scary.
0: Okay. All right. Mika, what's your thoughts on this movie?
2: Mine are fairly similar. I went into it thinking about it from the perspective of how I'm looking at things with my channel with Horror Hysteria and thinking, okay, how do I separate like the horror fan versus like the therapist? And so I spent a lot of time thinking about it. But as a horror fan, I also, I wasn't super impressed by it. If I try to separate some of the other things I found interesting, it was okay. I wasn't mad that I watched it or anything. I also didn't find it very scary there was a couple of times I was a little creeped out because the
0: whole the smile the smile that creepy bit. smile yeah. yeah
2: but as the movie went on I settled into it and it wasn't very scary but I also don't get scared of a lot anymore okay. <laughs> as a therapist found the way that they were I found the patterns interesting, but I also found it troubling in a similar way because it was very graphic depictions of the deaths. They were not common methods and they were very just, oh, wow. But then also the demonic component as well, because that's a common thing I see in mental health depictions in horror is that it's a demon. Yeah. And and that's really stigmatizing.
0: And I agree with both of you. I actually didn't mind the film. Often when I'm watching a horror film, like this, I'm not going in for, I'm going in just for the entertainment value. I'm not expecting it to be accurate in any way when it comes to portraying mental health. I think with that mentality, I can kind of just ease in and and just enjoy the film for the film. I wasn't scared either. I did go in after watching previews thinking I was going to be a little bit more on edge and being afraid, but I wasn't either. And like both of you, Laura and Micah, I didn't like the spin of like mental illness being like a demon and just, it just furthers the stigma of mm-hmm. fear about those who might struggle with mental yeah. health issues and stuff yeah. like that. So I didn't like that either. What mental health issues did we all see portrayed? I
1: Hi, saw
0: childhood
1: trauma. For me, I think almost if I could look at the film, not as like a series of suicides blamed on demon possession, but I really look at it as more of the woman's PTSD and more of like a psychosis that she's in from that trauma of her mother's suicide looked like her mother had some drug addiction kind of stuff going on and so when I look at it like that I'm like that could actually be a fairly somewhat accurate description of what severe childhood trauma looks like as it's carried across the lifespan
0: excellent point yeah Micah what are you thinking
2: I agree with that that was one thing that I noticed as well the And trauma being pretty much like the central feature, I think. But the one thing that I also noticed that I found interesting was, and again, this is something that is a gray area for me because I think we have to be very, very careful with how we depict suicide and that we can't pretend it's not there. But we also have to be careful because of we don't want to normalize and normalize that as a, as a solution to problems. And so that being said, I also thought that from what I've seen in trauma related to suicide, is that it's it normalizes it when someone does die by suicide, and so people who are touched by that person in some way have more of an increased risk if that happens. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at it through that lens of the quote unquote demon being the trauma being passed between these people who are all witnessing those, and it getting stronger with every single thing that happened because nobody was able to really stop it. And so I saw that in more of a metaphorical kind of way. So yeah, that's kind of how I was looking at it. That's a really good point
1: that I had not thought of. They'll tell you it's on every suicide risk assessment questionnaire that you're going to give. Have you known somebody who's died by suicide? Because it does increase. So I hadn't even thought of that. Beautiful point. Thank you.
0: And may I add, too, what I saw in this film was some aspects of guilt, which I'll go into more of how I saw that, as well as what I want to say, vicarious trauma. Now, one of the opening scenes is where you see Rose interacting with a patient who kills herself in front of Rose, not in a very pleasant way, a very graphic, horrific way. And I remember thinking when I saw that scene, like, like just flabbergasted by it. And my thought was like, oh my gosh, Rose, that's traumatizing for you right there. That's the vicarious trauma. I think that we're, that I think often with therapists who specialize in trauma and helping our clients navigate it, that we too can get exposed to that trauma through our work with our clients. So I definitely want to bring up that aspect. So definitely to witness that client, that patient, die by her own hand in that graphic way would have been just awful and traumatizing for any therapist to see so Mm -hmm. i think that's what starts the whole movie off for rose but then we also learn about rose and this is where i bring in the aspect of guilt that rose had observed her own mother committing suicide killing herself by overdosing and actually mom attempted to overdose and it sounds like you don't find this as a spoiler alert know find out towards the end that rose had a chance to save her mom by maybe getting her help a mom asked her for help and that rose did not but i think one of the things because it's very easy to be like oh my gosh how could rose not have gotten her mom help she was young i believe she was like nine or ten when this happened and that would be overwhelming to have to navigate if you're a child that that age but just bringing in that aspect of guilt that i saw
1: yeah and i think you see that kind of play out too where Rose then becomes a psychologist. Yeah, good point. In a mental health hospital. It's almost like she's trying to reenact and save her mother over and over again.
0: Laura, fair point. My gosh. So what about other mental health issues, like how we saw them accurately portrayed or not accurately portrayed? So let's go with what we felt was accurately portrayed. Michael, let's have you start us off first. Okay.
2: I I Honestly, just based on what I've seen in terms of portrayal of mental health providers in horror, and honestly, not just in horror, but in other areas, I preferred Rose's portrayal over many of them that I've seen. I didn't have a whole lot of, there was a couple of things that bothered me, but that's just like pet peeves, like when she was with that first patient the patient was very clearly in distress and seemed to be in in psychosis. And she was like, look at me, look me in the eyes. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, no, that's nice. But beyond that, I wasn't even remember her using the terminology of die by suicide. So it seemed like they were trying to use up language the best they could. So I think that was more accurate. And then again, the pattern or more of the metaphorical kind of path that everything went down i could see that as being accurate in a way even though it was displayed in a very sensationalized way um in contrast the inaccurate part being that it's a demon it's Mm. a demon and i think that one of the problems with that is as far as stigma is that when we see people in these crisis situations with their mental health in in other media that we think that they are it's very obvious that something's wrong with them that they're like very unwell visibly and that they just stick out as being disturbed in some way when in reality a lot of times that that is not the case mm-hmm. and people are very good at hiding those things and so i think that could direct us away from seeing some of those more subtle signs of something going on so that's kind of where I'm at with accuracy and then also with the trauma, with her dreaming about the death of her mother, I found that interesting because that's common in PTSD is to have those dreams and well into adulthood if it's not addressed. So.
0: <laughs> I agree. Laura,
1: your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree on a lot of that. I really did like that therapist's portrayal. I think that she was very empathetic and just it seemed more based in reality instead of like exaggerated kind of stereotypes of therapists i also and this isn't like a a great yeah you got this right either but i think the portrayal of the work environment for mental health therapists was really accurate where we are not always provided the Understanding or the compassion and empathy and resources that we need to be whole and healthy.
0: Mm, on our good clients. point. And I
1: think you saw that in the way that her supervisor spoke to her. Like, yeah. No, you're, you know, like yes, yeah, she should have had a week off, but that should have been done immediately, and it yeah. should have been done with compassion. So I think that the portrayal of how, like, the actual culture and climate of being a mental health therapist and working within a hospital and how it's very corporate in business. And that is not what we need. And that's not what creates happy, healthy, whole therapists. I think that right. was really accurate.
0: Yeah, and
1: I'm going to piggyback on that.
0: Oh, go ahead, Micah. Go ahead.
2: Sorry. I was just going to add in, and in the very beginning, when the, prior to her seeing the patient, there is that discussion with her supervisor where she's trying to see this patient doesn't have insurance. I still need to help them. And saying to that is something that stood out to me as it also being very accurate because I run into those shoes.
0: Yeah. I definitely agree with you guys at both points as a commissioner who used to work in hospitals. I interned at a psychiatric hospital and I had went on and did admissions at a psych hospital. I agree with both of you as some of the accuracy with that. One of my points too, as I was observing the movie is how we see Rose as she continues with the movie of descent into her own hallucinations and delusions of you don't know what's what and what she's seeing. Is it a delusion? Is it a hallucination? Is it real? A point in case that I'm thinking of is a scene where she's at her niece or nephew's birthday party. And it's weird because, and again, here I'm giving away some parts of the movie, she gives, there's a gift that her niece or nephew, I don't remember if it was a niece or nephew, but her sister's child opens up the gift from Rose and it's a, it's Rose's dead cat who her cat was very cherished to her. And because of this whole scene, in even again, we see Rose in the hubbub of this whole scene falls through a glass table where I'm just like, why is no one doing anything? She just <laughs> fell through this big glass table. Was, again, similar to in the beginning where she... Witnesses her own client uh, commit suicide, and nothing seemed to be. She wasn't caretaken at all. But my point of bringing it back to was it? This is where we're starting to see some of the hints of her own descent into what's what. She's in her car, and I think she's just kind of taking in. And her sister approaches the car, and all of a sudden, her sister like taps on yeah. the window, and her head turns upside down. as whoa? What just happened there? And I think that's the theme that we saw throughout the movie of scenes where. We would see things upside down. It'd be coming into a scene, and it would maybe a city scene, and it was an upside down, and that that felt very metaphorical as as well. Thoughts on any of that? I don't know if to have to diverged over there, but
2: yeah, no. I felt the same way when she fell through that table. I was like, "What is going on? Why is nobody?" And it seemed like everybody was very much, "You have a problem," and yeah to help support at all and actually figure out what was going on yeah. with her and i think this is a little bit of a spoiler but and and when it gets closer to the end her return back to her childhood home i saw that as very significant in terms of addressing trauma and going back and sorting through those things so i saw that as being a, a pretty strong metaphor as well just go back and figure all that out so yeah that's yeah, my point. yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, especially like the end
1: and the home and the fire and things. Cause I'm like, I do a lot of TFCBT kids. And so I've had kids that want to burn their trauma narrative. Yeah, done. yeah. And so for me, again, that was like, it was almost like if I could put aside the other stuff and look at it as Rose's childhood trauma and her process of mm-hmm. processing it, I I felt that was really beautifully done. And I do think that like visually that artistic cinematography of it did a really good portrayal of the chaos delusions and psychosis and because me as a viewer i was like oh my god she's in the hospital and here's that she's in the patient's room and yeah and then i'm like oh wait it's a flashback i was thinking it was real and i had to identify what's real and what's not and i think that's a really good interpretation of what hallucinations
0: can be like i agree i agree Any other thoughts on how this movie portrayed mental health, or the accuracy or inaccuracy? Anything that we missed? Micah, other thoughts?
2: I don't think so. And I don't have anything else that really sticks out except, yeah, I think I've covered everything. Yeah. Laura,
0: anything on your end? I
1: would
2: say that kind of stuck out to
1: me as wholly inaccurate. Yeah. Okay. um, Go ahead. Go ahead. The environment of the, hospital and like the room where she was doing her like oh. interviews I'm like one that's incredibly dangerous yeah for involved there's too yes. much stuff in there it's too much of a space it's not private it looks Fair like point. you're in a break room but also it's not that nice and pleasant
0: yeah it's not warm it, and fuzzy
1: it's not warm and fuzzy it does not look like a nice little waiting room no it's a scary cold sterile yeah. place. I just wish they would have been a little bit more real about that
0: Got you, got you. No, I, I agree. Probably my guess, the filmmaker, was probably just that whole aesthetic that is a horror film, so probably not looking too warm and fuzzy, but I agree with you. Again, it all goes back to how mental health is portrayed, and I think in most recent years, we are working very hard to break down that stigma yeah. and to help people understand that people struggle mm-hmm. and that it doesn't have to be scary. For mm-hmm. sure. I have to make a point, too, is that this also wasn't a warm and fuzzy film that it didn't end well, Again, another spoiler alert for Rose. <laughs> like, like not a good, warm and fuzzy, pleasant movie. I tend to like horror films that do end somewhat hopeful or nice, but that could just be me. But your thoughts on the ending?
1: Yeah, I'd say I actually prefer my movies to end in a non-good way. Oh, I feel you do. like that's Such more accurate films. for real okay. life, and so I prefer it. But there was just something inside of me that hated this ending. I just, I, and I just, again, it's suicide and I just, I, I I was really triggered by the fact that it ended that way. And it was really hard to let go of.
0: Got you. Micah, what about you?
2: I, I agree. Also, (laughs) I prefer that a lot of my movies kind of end on a cliffhanger or not in a good place. I don't know why, because sometimes you want to watch a movie where it's okay. The person got away, the person, there's the final girl, everything's okay but there's also this extra appeal to thinking, oh, everything's going to be okay. And then it's not. And you're like, uh, what just happened? And I agree. It was one of those things where I wanted to root for Rose and I wanted her to be okay. And so it, it was triggering. I can definitely see that as being something that would be very troubling. But if I look at it from a horror fan perspective, I wasn't mad about the ending from that perspective, but I guess it was just kind oh, of oh, all right, now we're left to our own devices to try to figure out what else happens.
0: And let me bring up one other point. And I think this is me looking at this movie from a therapist's perspective. I was very aware of how triggering this movie could be for anyone who had struggled with suicidal thoughts themselves or experienced anyone else who through the loss of suicide and just how intensely triggering this movie was for them, which then brings me back to Laura, thank you for plugging the 988 number because I, I was very well aware that watching this, how maybe a lot of people probably couldn't get through the movie because it was too triggering. Not because the movie was too scary, as we all commented that we didn't think it was so much scary, but just the trigger factor with it. Yeah. Why? Well, thank you both. This is a great conversation to have on this movie. I want to say for our next episode, we'll be talking with Life stance Clinician Meredith Braden about the book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. I'd also like to thank the team behind the podcast, Jason Clayton, Juliana Witten, and Chris Kelman, and a special thanks to Jason Clayton, who edits all of our episodes. Take care, everyone.